Calvin Hicks Show. You deserve to be heard. She stood just above average height at 5'7", and she weighed all of 108 pounds, soaking wet. She was protected by the watchful eyes of three burly brothers and two coddling sisters. She was the youngest of six children. Rarely was she ever alone, but she didn't seem to mind that at all. The chirping melodies of songbirds filled the spring air, competing with the joyful sounds of laughter and giggles as she and her sisters traveled the long walk to school, discussing how they were all looking forward to spending that evening on the Gulf, the area of town where North Liberty and West Market Streets met. Every Friday evening during the spring, town officials blocked off the streets from through traffic, and vendors would set up shop to sell their goods. Popcorn, peanuts, moon pies, cotton candy, candied apples, and soda pop. And of course, there was always fish frying. Spots, croaker, flounder, catfish. No chicken. It was Friday. You always had fish on Friday. Fried chicken was for Sunday after church. All those things were great, but what excited her most was the live band and the dance floor in the middle of the street, right in front of the movie theater. It was there that she'd feel free of all the stresses of school learning and mundane after-school chores. Her spirit came alive when she was on the dance floor, and she could dance. Everyone loved to watch her strut her stuff. He towered over his friends, standing at six feet, six inches. Some said he was six eight when he didn't slouch. He was lanky, too, weighing in at about 150 pounds. He wasn't much of a physical athlete, even though he was always picked first when sizing up a schoolyard basketball game, only soon to disappoint his teammates because, well, he just couldn't shoot and dunking was just out of the question. But he was so tall. What he lacked in athleticism, he gained in performance. That boy could not only dance, but he had one heck of a voice. And to the delight of the girls, he'd always make his way to the golf stage just in time to join the band and sing lead on the slow song. The one song that the guides who'd been standing along the wall looked forward to because it meant they could finally couple up with the girl they'd been watching all evening. Except for her. She hated slow dances, but she loved watching and hearing him sing. They were friends couldn't be much more because her brothers and sisters weren't going to let it happen. Besides, she wasn't interested in him that way. He was from Scotland County, North Carolina, up the road. 
so they only saw each other on Friday nights in the spring. She just enjoyed his singing and his big old smile. Time marched on. The gulf wasn't the same. The street parties had ceased as people found other places to congregate, where the soda pop was blended with something that had more of a kick. The dance floor was a little less crowded because she wasn't there. And the band played on, even though he was no longer its lead. She's 28. He's 30. They live on Philadelphia's north side now. They're married, but not to each other. She has four children, three boys and a girl. He has none. She's separated from her husband. They've taken a break. It's been two years. He's estranged from his wife. Divorce is imminent. He's an electrician by trade, still a singer by passion. He doesn't drink, but he bartends twice a week at his friend's joint just so he can hear the band play live and join them on stage every now and then to sing the slow song. She happened in one cold November night when he'd taken the stage hearing his voice and seeing his radiant smile. For a moment, sent her mind reeling back to those Friday evenings in the spring, having fun on the Gulf. They spent that evening catching up, reminiscing, sharing laughter of then and discussing the toils of now. Soon, the full moon was replaced by a glaring sun peeking through the bedroom window of his tiny apartment. She kissed his forehead gently, as not to awaken him. Then she let herself out, making it home in time to prepare breakfast and see her children off to school. In early August the next year, Word got round to him that she'd given birth to a 23-inch, 10-pound boy, and it moved back down south two days after, with her children in tow, because her husband said things just didn't add up. She sent him letters and pictures of the boy, each one sealed with a promise that they would visit soon. The baby boy became a toddler and grew into a smile that resembled his. She held the little boy's hand as they boarded the train for the journey north to visit him. It was late that Sunday night. The joint was closed. His two best friends, one drunk and the other only slightly drunk, were the only people standing between him and getting to his tiny apartment where she awaited with the boy. With everyone out, as he locked the door, 
The two friends began to argue. He watched for a moment before stepping between them to break things up. He wanted to get home. And suddenly, a shot rang out. On that North Philadelphia street, his life slipped away, lying on the sidewalk with a bullet in his chest. One of the drunken friends had pulled a gun, and he'd stepped in the path of the bullet. Rewind. Just 24 hours. Our wolf is no such man. We're... Saturday. There he stood on the top step of the porch leading to his tiny brownstone apartment. His right hand wielded a brush and his left hand rested gently on the three-year-old boy's forehead as he guided the brush slowly through the little boy's hair. When the task was completed, the little boy stared up at him. He was tall, six feet, six inches, and lanky. He weighed about 150 pounds, and the glare of his smile blinded me temporarily. I am my mother's child and my father's only son. I am Calvin, and that's my first memory. This week, we're sharing our first memory. What's yours? I'd love to know. 843-580-1953 is the direct number to The Calvin Hicks Show. Or you can join The Calvin Hicks Show group on Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter, Calvin Hicks Show. And also go to the website, thecalvinhicksshow.com. Chandra called to share her first memory. It had a lot to do with home economics. My very first memory that I can recall is being a little girl in kindergarten, going to school every day, coming home, and when I would come home, my mom would have our dining room set up with all of these pieces of sheer type paper with material connected to it. Those are what we call patterns. My mom would have me stand in the middle of the floor, and she would tell me, hold your arms out and be still. And what she was doing was making me some type of dress or shirt with these patterns that she had cut out during the day while I was at school. So when I would come home, I would have to stand there for her to measure the patterns against my actual body to make sure that the garments were going to fit. And this would take place from... I will say I can remember it as far back as kindergarten all the way to probably the fourth grade. My mom would do that. So a lot of the things that I wore when I was a kid were made by my mother. Um, that is what I can recall as my earliest memory. My mom sewing, making patterns, me getting stuck with the stick pins. They hurt so bad. But she would tell me, you got to be still, you got to be still. And so that would happen. And um, it would probably be about 30 minutes of my day every day when I would come home from school. 
getting measured for these patterns my mom would have, would have already cut out for me prior to me getting home. That's my earliest memory. Chandra went on to say that she has a sewing machine but hasn't quite learned how to operate it and plans to spend time with her mom this Mother's Day figuring things out. <laughs> Let's stitch that with Joe's call. <laughs> His first memory was a little bit younger than kindergarten. Well, my very first memory, I guess I had two that I remember very vividly when I was three years old. Um, I was in a swing set, and this was the, I'm not exactly sure what you call it, but it's, the, it's a little uh, car that has a seat on each side, and at the time, I guess a wooden platform that you, uh, you put your feet on. Well, I was in the car with uh, someone else, and someone was swinging us, and I stood up and the platform uh, broke. And needless to say, it broke my leg. I was three years old and had a cast up to my hip. Uh, I remember that very vividly. And also, I remember uh, as a child of three watching President Kennedy's funeral on black and white television. Um, I can still remember seeing um, the, car- the horse-drawn carriage, um, you know, uh, going down through D- Washington, D.C. with uh, the president's uh, casket inside. Uh, very vivid, vivid memory of that on a little tiny black-and-white television. So I guess uh, my first memories would be when I was three years old, and um, that is all I can remember. <laughs> Thanks for the memory, Joe. Reagan's first memory dealt with lights and festivities. The thing I remember about my grandfather was the fact that he had the best Christmas decorations on the block. He had the big lights in all of the windows that outlined all the window sills. He had um, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer with um, Santa's sleigh, and he would actually get someone to probably pay the little boys in the neighborhood to put Rudolph and Santa up on the roof of the house. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how he was able to pull that off. But every year, he would do his fabulous Christmas decorations. He'd have the candlelight in each of the windows. You know, he even had a nativity scene because, of course, we're not going to ever forget why we celebrate Christmas and it's all about Christ to my grandfather. So I always remember those memories of Christmas time at my grandparents' house, my grandmother in the kitchen cooking and smelling all these yummy things in the air and me having, sitting on my grandfather's lap and just having the best feeling in the world and that's like my total memory. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us, Reagan. It makes me think of the movie Christmas Vacation. Now, Mark called, and it seems that his first memory came a little bit later in life. Hey, Calvin, uh, great question, and it really made me rack my brain. And I found it kind of difficult to remember the first thing that I really uh, remembered. Um, But as I made a couple decisions in my life over the last week or so about my career... Uh, and quite honestly, they were made for me uh, in a roundabout way. 
it brings me back to um, when I was 11 years old and my mom and my dad who I can say unequivocally were the best parents anyone could ever ask for. Um, when I was 11 years old I was in sixth grade and so I'd come home from school and I'd do my homework, I'd sit in front of my stereo with my two, my dual tape decks and I would record my favorite DJs and songs on the radio and like clockwork I would call them every single night and Doug Parks was the night guy and he would just continually get angry with me for calling because I would call every single night want to be a guest DJ and one night he said you know Mark instead of bothering me come on over here and help me out and there's an 11 year old kid who was enamored with radio that was amazing and so my mom and dad unselfishly as they always were after I got done my homework every single night around 6.30 after dinner they drive me to the radio station about 6 miles away and they dropped me off until about nine o'clock and I'd hang out at the radio station, I'd do my thing and I would learn and I fell in love with the, the business that I'm now walking away from. Um, but just the memory of my mom and dad being so um, willing to let their son do something that looking back was a dream come true. I was hanging out at a radio station and, and being around the very thing that I just knew at a young age I wanted to do and their selflessness and their desire to just let me be what I wanted to be and at 11 years old when you're out until 9 o'clock at night hanging out at a radio station it was it was a dream come true so my memory that, that really comes to me um, thinking back about my dad who passed away a few years back and, and my mom now who's who's just the strongest woman I know for them to, to drop what they were doing uh, right after dinner to bring me to the radio station then again to come back and pick me up around 9 o'clock every single night Monday through Friday uh, and Sundays uh, sometimes too just really makes me think about how great I have it um, with my mom being around still and, and my dad was just the most amazing father but I remember them being so willing to let me live my dream and helping me live my dream and I, I, I guess that would be the memory that sticks to me uh, as, as I talk to you right now that's the thing that sticks out and, and makes me just say wow I had and I have um, the greatest parents in the world and so, uh, great topic, Calvin. Keep up the great work. Hey, that's pretty cool, Mark. Your parents used the DJ as a babysitter. <laughs> that's what most DJs are anyway, right? Thank you so much for your participation. I can't do this without you. I do appreciate it. You deserve to be heard. Everyone's got a story to tell, and I'm willing to listen. I hope you enjoyed the Calvin Hicks Show, which is an N360 media production. I'm Laura KC, and here's what's happening on the next episode. Oh, you don't want to miss the next edition. I'm doing an interview. An interview in which I'm going to ask some questions that I've always been curious about. Who, you ask, is the interview with? Well... You can find out by calling The Calvin Hicks Show, 843-580-1953, or joining The Calvin Hicks Show group on Facebook, or hit me up on Twitter, Calvin Hicks Show. And if you would, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Tuned In, or even Spotify. When you subscribe, please take the time and leave a comment because your comments help others find the show a lot easier. And until next week, focus forward and keep it curious.